everybody, welcome to episode 144 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with Dave Pacino. Today is a good day. Today is a good day. Yeah. Why is today a good day? We're closing on our house today at 1 o'clock. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. It's got to be a burden. That's awesome. So just three months ago, we had three houses, which (laughs) is more houses than anybody could ever want or need and after 1 p.m <laughs> yeah uh, after 1 p.m we'll be down to one house and we'll live like normal people nice, nice. dave three houses yeah. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of we also have jimmy two shows hey show. everybody hey how's everyone what's up good good just a little tired i've been burning burning the midnight oil and trying to get my vlog done i, I for some reason I hit a hundred, oh, or rather, I hit one year on the vlog, and since then it's been like crawling up a roof covered with nails to get one done each week. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's like this mental hurdle. I've never heard that stuff. phrase before. I just made yeah, it up. Either. I made it up because I was watching Kyle <laughs> doing my build day six. He's climbing up the roof, and I just thought, wow, that's got to be scary. A real angle. Anyway, just having a hard time getting my vlog done, so I stayed up late, and I didn't get it done. I went to take a nap, and I just woke up to here to hang out with you guys. So, well, thanks for getting out of bed. Oh, you're welcome. I'm actually still in bed. <laughs> I, have a, I have a question. Yeah. So, part, I know part of like when you were in the city, part of staying up late was because you had to only work in the shop during certain days of you know hours of the day, and then you would edit and stuff at night. Now that you're like in basically the middle of nowhere, and you can do whatever you want and be as loud as you want and whatever, mm-hmm. why are you still staying up so late? Um, is it just built into you at this point? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I mean, I, I I went last night to play with the ball gouge that I got from Arbitech, and I ended up making a full-on video. I just was going to test it for like a piece of the vlog segment, and then I just kept going, mm-hmm. and that's that double-ended spoon that's on my, my Instagram. I literally went there to test the thing and come back with a piece of vlog footage to put in so I could give them a little love, and I ended up making a full-on spoon, and I ended up staying there till about 11 o'clock. Then I got back here and edited till, I don't know, 2 or 3, and then went in for a nap and got up at... I don't know time we got we got up at about seven o'clock and then kind of laid in bed played with the dogs and then i came to hang out with you guys so it's the first time i'm talking today <clears throat> so i got a deep voice <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> yeah yeah so i mean it's it's some it's like it's like an endless playground up here i can go to the shop i can go out into the machine shop and in the city it was like basement or the apartment basement and here it's 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 kind of it's almost difficult to have discipline up here because if I get the whim to go do something on the Bridgeport, I go do it. If I have something, the whim to go work down the block, I go do it, and I get sidetracked constantly. So it's mm. not a bad problem, honestly, because I'm feeling really creative, and uh, from time to time I focus. And I have a really big job to do. So that as soon as we're done, I have to go work on this job. I'm making 10 garment racks for my friends over at Sprayground, the company that makes backpacks. So they have to be done by Thursday. And we've been jamming on them since Friday. The Friday was my first day back in the shop. So I worked all day Friday. And then my buddy Kevin Lazat came and he helped me do some machining for that. So we did that all day Saturday. Yesterday was like a little. Oh, is that is that what those playday. the steel pieces that you were cutting on the Bridgeport? Bridgeport? <laughs> yeah, because we uh, I have to make these garment racks come apart so they could ship them and put them into boxes. So the sec- the segment in the middle sleeves apart from the top and so on. And so we could not find anything that sleeves perfectly into the two by two tubing. So Kevin came and he always approaches everything as a machinist. So we he went and found some parts that are close 
and then we figured out how to get them to be exactly the right fit. So they're going to get welded. Mm. They'll be basically be pegs, so these things can peg together. Gravity will hold it all together. And yeah, so it was a big, it was a, a big help. So Kevin, thank you for coming out and help me with that. And um, he's he's a machinist, so he every time he's around my machines, he knows more about them than I ever would because he's properly trained. So he's always teaching me something. So it, it was a great weekend hanging out with him. And um, yeah, that's it. I just uh, it's like a playground and now i got the big building in the back and i got to consider what's next with that so do you have any ideas there like what the next step is or how long it'll be or any of that stuff um well i kind of took a breather because i had such a big deal with chicago and then also the, this this garment rack job came in and i had to quote another big job i might work for another big liquor company unrelated to my previous job so i'm hoping to get a gig with this one particular beer company and uh so i'm quoting them that's actually a job has nothing to do with youtube although i'll get some youtube videos out of it and uh, so I had to also prepare a big drawing and sketch that was also over the weekend uh, to, to give them a pitch of how I would do what it is they need, doing something in a showroom. Um, so I haven't had time to really focus on the building, but I think the next step would be the floor. Because once the floor is in there, then I could focus on doing some of the walls and I can get a, I can get a <clears throat> somebody in there to do the, the roof and the window and the next, really the, the floor, the windows and the siding. Those are the next things in that order. But then hmm. once the floor is in there, I could actually start doing some electric and planning some of that stuff. So it's a, it's a, I say it in the vlog and you'll see, I said to Kyle, and he goes, um, what I've done is the easy part. Now the hard part is you doing all the finishing. So, hmm. and, and I agree with that. So we'll see how it goes. I have a lot of people offering help and uh, advice. So I've got to take it as it comes and decide where and what I can do when I can do it. And the winter's kicking in now, so. I get back from Chicago, it's 20 degrees pretty consistently since then. So now I don't think I can pour concrete until it warms up. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, so I got to I gotta figure that out too. And then I got to stop and make some more money because so far I've paid for this thing without any credit. So Good for you. Yeah, so I got to... That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's been great. It's been, it's been great to say that I haven't <laughs> taken any, any money out. Um, but I might have to ultimately to do the finishing. But by, by that point, it's not like I'm going to be completely buried in debt. So I'm happy about that. So that's it. I got to like take a breather, earn some money, pay for some expensive things, take a breather, pay for you know, earn some money, pay for expensive things. So Good plan. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. And like, sure. I have a shop, so it's, it's no desperate need to get this done. But I definitely don't want to have bake construction site for a year in my backyard. So yeah. I'm focusing on getting it done. <laughs> yep. And Kyle, by the way, just put nice. out episode six, which by the time this airs, I'll probably have seven and eight out. But I just watched it, and I was smiling the entire time. He's such a good cinematographer with the drone and, and the GoPro. Oh, my God. He's so good. I, I keep telling you, he has no idea how good he is. He's like, oh, I don't know. I'm just a carpenter who plays with a GoPro. I'm like, dude, you have no idea. You could be hired. Hmm. He could be hired to just film construction sites, and he'd probably make five times more money if he found the right niche than ever having to pick up a hammer. <clears throat> but it's amazing that he can build it and film it in such a beautiful manner, so... Hats off to him. I think there are job openings for people who can do photography and videography for construction sites. Like that would sell. Like that would help sell. Like, hey, this is this is what your progress could look like. And just going through the house buying process, photos are terrible. And yeah. I, I would yeah. love to see a video tour of, of some of these places because it would save me time from going to look at this house that I'm never going to buy if I would see a video tour, you know, like. That's why I was listening to Wood Talk last night and Matt Cremona is looking for a new house. Did you guys hear this? 
No. He, he said he's looked no. at like 30 houses or so at this oh, point. Man. He said on one day he looked at like 18 houses. Imagine yeah. like the, the fatigue, That's, the mental fatigue yeah. you would have looking at 18 houses. <laughs> oh, I've been there, man. When we Before we bought our last house, um, we and he's, he's dragging around two kids with him too. Like we had one at that point and it was still like, you know, there's a limit as to how many we can look at today because the kid just won't deal with like bouncing in and out of the car seat all day long, going in this house for like two seconds and be like, nope, this isn't it. All right, we're leaving. <laughs> Go back in the car seat, you know. Yeah, so feel his pain. Well, so Bob, what are you up to? Um, what am I up to? Oh, yeah. Uh, so remember a few weeks ago, I told you that I was in Dayton and I couldn't say why. Well, now I can finally say why, because today the video is coming out. Oh, so um, today it's weird. I have a video coming out on a Monday instead of a Thursday, but it's to line up with a Lowe's video that they made. So basically I went to, to uh, Dayton and Lowe's created a DIY escape room, and uh, me and Grant Thompson and two tradespeople got to go in as a team and try to solve this escape room in time. And we had to like use tools and solve all these puzzles, and it was super awesome, super awesome. So that's coming out on the Lowe's channel today, and to go with that, uh, Grant and I both made escape room puzzle kind of things. And you can see mine right here. Nobody else can see it, but you, you guys can see it. It's a globe. Where? I see a globe. And so the globe is a puzzle. And so you have to, you have a story and you have game pieces and you have to attach the pieces to the globe in certain places following the story. And there's a timer built into the globe. So it starts a timer and then you have to race against the clock get to get in the here. right places. It's awesome. What? I'm so happy with it. Yeah. That's and what is and what is the promotion for, by the way? Is it for Lowe's? It's yeah, it's for Lowe's. It's like to promote their Black Friday sales. Oh, okay, but it's really just like a cool thing. Like it, it barely has anything to do with anything. It's just like a cool example of, you know. And we had to use tools that they sell in the uh, in the escape room and stuff. But it's really just a really cool idea. Uh, this guy at Lowe's named Andrew reached out and he came up with the idea and kind of spearheaded the. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> The whole thing. And uh, they just did an awesome job. It was a lot of fun. The video that they got out of it is really good. Like really well put together and well shot. And uh, yeah. So I'm excited about that one. Was it a full film crew? Yeah. Yeah. It was like uh, they had three full-time cameras and then like like big, big shoulder mount cameras. And then like 19 or 20 GoPros mounted throughout the whole Mm. thing. There was like sound crew. There were... There were probably 30 people on set, I guess. Sounds like a nightmare and, to uh, edit. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah I can't even imagine how much footage they had. And we were talking about that the whole time. They're like, how are you going to go through this? And they were like, well, I don't know. It's just what we do. <laughs> like, All right. <laughs> but they were also, they had like a control room set up. And this was really cool to see. And uh, we're in this giant warehouse, like a five-story, four-story warehouse. And so the escape room was in the top floor. And every floor down, they had a different level of stuff. Like, they had a control room in one level with, like, seven or eight monitors. And you could see different camera feeds. And so they were doing, like, kind of a live edit while we were going through the room. And so they were picking shots and picking cameras so that they had, basically, you know, like a reference as to how to edit the final thing. Um, And then they had, like, uh, stages set up on the, the next level down for 
these different sequences where we did interviews and did all this stuff. And then on the bottom they had like food and lights and all this stuff. It was just a crazy big production. It was a lot of fun. Hmm. So anyway, but my, my video is coming out today and I actually had to finish that video like two weeks ago. So I've been working on it in the background <clears throat> for a while, which is kind of weird to be working on something secret and I can't tell anything about it, but still having to work on other stuff, you know, for like weekly um, things. And then, uh, yeah, so it's coming out today. And then the thing that I showed you guys in the after show last week is finished, mm. which not everybody else knows about, but that thing is finished and it'll be out next week. Mm. And it's really cool too. So yeah. 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 David, have you been working on it? Did you say if you've been working on anything, you said your house is closing, right? But. Uh, so Kelly and I just filmed a black Friday, uh, video for True Value. True Value sent me a box of random stuff to um, try to make something out of, and one of those things was a Christmas tree. So Kelly and I made Christmas ornaments. I turned some on the lathe, turned cool. some on a drill, or at least attempted to, and Kelly wove some basket ornaments, and hmm. that came out came out pretty good. So that should be out hopefully later this week. Sweet, yeah. That's awesome. I feel like I had other stuff. To, oh, yeah, I had another thing I wanted to talk about. <clears throat> um, so I don't think I've mentioned this on here yet, but I wrote a book, and I've been writing it on it for a long time. Have you I you did mention it briefly, I think. So maybe maybe off camera, but you did say it's <clears throat> us. Okay. Well, anyway, I've been working on this book for about two years, and it was the idea was once I went full time, I wanted to kind of keep track of all the ideas that I was coming up with and the things I was learning and how I got to that point. And, you know, it's not supposed to be exhaustive of like, this is how you do it, but more of this is stuff I learned. Maybe it'll be helpful. <clears throat> and so I wrote for about two years on airplanes in an airport. So that's pretty much all it was where the entire thing was written. So it was like every few months there would be a couple of pages. Every few months there'd be a couple of pages. And I finally got it to a point about six months ago where it was like, I I don't have anything else to say. Like, I'm just kind of done. <laughs> so I started editing, trying to get it down, had a couple people read it and give me some feedback. And it's basically done now. I'm doing like the last pass. It's going to be released digitally. Um, and then I'm, I'd like to do an audiobook for it too, but I, I can't figure out whether I can actually justify the time to make the audiobook because I just have to read the book into a microphone. <laughs> um, but the thing that I wanted to bring up about it, <clears throat> so a few weeks ago we talked about the show that Jimmy was on and the name and our name and how that kind of was weird and then it worked out to where everybody gets to use the name. So when we were finishing up the book, I was talking to my editor, designer friend, Forby, <clears throat> asked him to do a cover for me, and he came up with a really good name, for the book, because I was still kind of struggling with the name. He called it Making Time. I'm like, that's perfect. It's about, it's time for making, and it's about making time to do the things that you want to do, and it's about all, the, you know, it's great. Okay, cool. He makes this really awesome artwork for the cover that's like a half saw blade, half clock. Beautiful. I love it. It's orange and blue. I love it. Great. So we're moving ahead. And then I see on Facebook, like a couple weeks later, uh, a posting from a podcast called Making Time, and their logo is a saw with a clock. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. 
So I reached out and it was people in my Facebook group that were posting this. And I'm like, how did I not know about this? So I reached out to them. turns out we actually know some of the guys on this. Um, and I don't want to get their names wrong. So I'm not going to say all of their names because I can't remember last names. But we, we've met some of the people here. I've met two of them, I think. Anyway, good guys. And I reached out and I said, look, I'm embarrassed. I didn't realize that this, you know, that you already had this thing going since like June. And I used the name and the logo is really similar. And I didn't mean for it to, you know, whatever. And they were like, it's cool. We really like what you do. You know, let's just do what you guys are doing with the TV show and just both use the name separately and not, you know, they were awesome about it. They said, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Just give us a shout out on the podcast. I'm like, sweet, will do. So (laughs) here we go. This is the shout out for the Making Time podcast, and I have listened to it, and it, and they actually talked about me in the episode that I listened to. That felt kind of nice, but um, <clears throat> no, but really, it's it's there's a one guy's a woodturner, uh, one guy does a lot of electronics and metalworking, one guy does metal and wood, and so they have a pretty broad range of skill sets there, um, and they just talk about you know making stuff very similar to what we talk about and everything. It's a good show, so you should definitely go check it out. It's called Making Time. I assume you can find it in all the same places you find other podcasts. Um, I got it through iTunes, but you can get it wherever. So go check them out. Um, and thank you to those guys for being cool about the mistake on my part hmm. <laughs> about using the name. It was not intentional. But um, all that said, the book should be finished very soon. <clears throat> I have never written a book and never released a book, so I don't really know... like. If I should just do the digital version and then do the audiobook after, if I should do it all at the same time, and there's like so many websites and you, are you going to have it? Are you going to actually have one uh, manufactured paper version? I don't. I don't think so. I think I'm going to do it through the Amazon Kindle type stuff, yep. where they can be printed on demand if somebody wants them. Right. Uh, because I just can't imagine that this is something that that many people would want to read. And I'm not saying that to sell myself short. It's just like it seems kind of niche, you know. So I don't think it's going to be where yeah, printing a book is a, is a big swing, and you hope that you don't get stuck with half of them. That's a problem. But if you can do yeah. it on demand, that makes life easier. Yeah, I mean, like the profit margin on each one is way lower when you do things on demand. Like print T-shirts on demand, it's the same kind of deal. Um, but I don't think people that many people will want the physical version. So you know, I'm not worried about that loss. Like I'm not writing the book to make money. It's more just stuff I wanted to put out there to. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, if I may, I have two books out, and I get asked all the time, why is there not digital versions of my books? And hmm. uh, I'm my contract with the publisher um, talks about digital. I have a it's, there's a different royalty rate with digital um, hmm. if it ever does happen, but there are no plans for digital copies right now, and I think it's a technical issue because digital books are in a different format, like EPUB or, or yeah. something. And yeah. many times, how-to books don't fit that format very well. If you've ever gotten uh, a how-to book in a Kindle format, and you'll see like the cut line for a, a photo in a weird spot, or things are broken up weird. It's because they don't always reformat well in, in that format. And I know that uh, you know you can do PDFs, but uh, you can't sell PDFs through Amazon Kindle and Barnes and Noble Nook and whatever. So that's a it's a it's an actual technical issue that is preventing hmm. us from doing digital versions 
Interesting. Yeah. That's good to know. Okay. Well, mine is very, mine's just text-based, so there's no photos to it at all. Um, so that, hopefully that won't be an issue. Um, <clears throat> you should do an audio book for one of your, like your cutting board. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> uh, yes. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me thank our Patreon supporters real quick before we get into topic stuff. Because who knows where we're going today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I want to thank uh, Make, Build, Modify, Sean Rubino, Freeman Furnishings, Torbal Terry, Works by Solo, Malton Make, Corey Ward, Evan Caitlin, and Wise Old Dow. But everybody that supports us over there, uh, you know, we have a lot of like $1 a month support, which is awesome. I mean, that, that's fantastic. And so... Um, if you're interested in helping out the show and you want access to our little after show that we do every week, uh, a dollar will get you that. Go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out or don't and listen for free. That's cool too. You know, but we really appreciate everybody on Patreon. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I, I asked. Way to be on time there, Jimmy. <laughs> I asked. I check. Uh, <laughs> I, I keep muting myself because I don't want to burp in front of anybody again, like I did before. Muting, unmuting, muting, and I don't know where I am every five seconds because I'm also I have a coffee day like you do. I keep coughing, so yeah. So Man, thank God for the mute button most of the time. Yeah, I have my uh, my little foot switch mute button that I'm taking full advantage of every two seconds to cough. <laughs> um. So I asked Twitter this morning because we never know what we're talking about until. We actually hit the record button. I asked Twitter what we should talk about. And it's really funny because I'm looking through... We had a few um, answers or, well, questions before we started, and several more have come through. But it's funny because Kyle said, anything but topics about YouTube business would be great. <laughs> Which I, to- I totally get it, Kyle. You know, it's not for everybody. But the funny thing is that several of the other ones are about YouTube business. <laughs> <laughs> So, just another point that we can't make everybody happy. But <clears throat> I think we'll just bounce around through some of these today. Um, one of them was about, let me find it, let me find it. Um, <clears throat> where do you stand on sustainability? Does being green weigh into your work at all? And I thought this was interesting from the question itself, but also replacing green, in addition to this question, replacing it with like accessibility or. You know, like basically just what do we think about um, other stuff around our work? Like what plays into how we do things and why we do things and what we use and Mm -hmm. all that. But we can start with the green thing. Mm -hmm. You guys have any thoughts on this, opinions? Well, the first thing that that comes to my mind is, am I unmuted? I'm not muted, am I? No. (laughs) You're not muted. (laughs) I usually talk for about 30 (laughs) seconds and Bob will go, "Uh, Jimmy, your mute is on. Um, So the first thing that comes to my mind is how I skimp and, and... in the shop. For instance, every piece of wood gets saved to the very last minute. There's a couple of bins. I obviously have more room now, so there's more bins of wood that constantly get picked through. So constantly going back into the scrap bin to utilize wood for anything. Blocking. I just I'm doing this whole bunch of welding jigs right now, so it's all made out of the scrap wood, which is it's important to keep the scrap brown. And a lot of people don't have the room for it, so I can understand that. <clears throat> and now that the winter's kicking in, I'm keeping some of the smaller scraps around so that we can put it into a little wood-fired oven that I haven't yet to set up. But it's it's important to just keep recycling in my own little environment. So every little scrap of metal gets thrown into a bucket, and when that and, and the bigger pieces get pulled out, so actually what happens in the, the few metal buckets we have, 
the smaller pieces keep falling to the bottom to the point where then the bucket weighs like 50 pounds and it's all just useless little cutoffs. And then we recycle them. There's a guy here in the city. I had a guy. Now there's a guy up here who takes my little metal scraps. So the idea of not throwing away pieces in the shop and being able to constantly keep going back to those those resources and just keep utilizing. So for instance, a sheet of plywood. <clears throat> we cut oh, off. Oh, no. What? You froze for a second. You're back. Oh, okay, cool. Go ahead. No, just so the idea of just constantly recycling within the shop and utilizing all the different materials within the shop. Cardboard gets used for tabletops. You know, so when we get a big shipment of something in a big box, we cut up. We always save all the flats because they always end up becoming like spray paint trays or trays if we're going to work on a big heavy piece of metal that's rusty. I put that couple layers of that down on the table. So always looking for ways of, of recycling and saving within the shop itself. And then, of course, I'm always buying and picking garbage. So buying garbage and picking. So... I'm always trying to figure out how we can upsell and ups, upcycle stuff. It's just part of my upbringing, really. Whereas, and, yeah. and I'll stop rambling, but compared to when I just worked on the TV show, guys would cut a two by four and a half, and the other half of the two by four goes in the garbage because there's no immediate use for it, and the room has to get cleaned and wiped. Mm. And so that all just goes in the dumpster, which is unfortunate. So when you're out in a situation like a TV production or construction site or something that devours materials. It's a great resource for somebody like us that needs those materials to be in and around. So if you know of like a construction site, they just throw stuff away because they're like, oh, what am I going to do with a full sheet of styrofoam? I already insulated the whole building. Let's just throw it away because nobody else is going to take it. And one case in point, and I'll stop talking, is the, I have this beautiful antique toilet up in my house. And when I first bought this house, I started restoring some of the bathrooms. And I was walking down the street in the Lower East Side, and a guy had a beautiful toilet in his hand. He was about to throw it into the hopper of one of those trucks that like comes and scoops and crushes everything. I go, are you throwing that away? He goes, yeah. I go, why? He goes, because we bought two more than we needed. I go, where's the other one? He goes, I already threw it in there. I go, well, can I have that one? He goes, sure. And he just handed me the toilet. And I got this <laughs> brand new, beautiful designed, it's, it's, maybe it's American Standard, I forget, but it's, it's made to look old. But it's absolutely brand new toilet that probably costs three or $400. I'm like, you're going to throw that in there? He goes, yeah, we don't know what else to do with it. We overbought. I'm like, just put it on the sidewalk and some scrounge like me will come and take it in five seconds. He goes, well, we can't put it in front here. It's illegal. Like, you know, there's all these little tiny rules that they can't follow. Anyway, so that's, uh, hmm. you know, you got to always just keep your eyes so, peeled. So do you expect us to believe that in California, all that stuff was being thrown away and you didn't fill up your hotel room with <laughs> offcuts of two by fours? If I had my truck with me, I'm dead serious. I would have taken a lot of that stuff that the, every day. Yeah. And, and, even like it wasn't my job to sweep. It wasn't my job to clean the garbage pail. It wasn't. So there was like a corner of this little workshop that every day would just get filled up with maybe a hundred pounds of like scraps and cutoffs, like even like a half a sheet of plywood. And the next day it's all gone. It went to the dumpster like a quarter mile away. Dang. That's crazy. And any, anybody in our environment, in our community could have, I mean, it was on a private set, so it wouldn't be that easy. But if you're in a situation where you know something like that's going on or you're near a prop shop, you know, these prop shops get tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to do props. And they're not going to save the material because they just want to get right onto the next job. Of course, they'll scrap and save some of it, but you're going to get a lot of good wood and stuff in the garbage of a, of a place hmm. if you're near like one of those industrial areas and you could figure out who's making props or stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, for me, like the... The offcut thing, I'm totally on board with. Like, I, I keep more offcuts than I probably should, for sure. Um, especially two by fours. Like, I've got a, a huge stack of little 
maybe anything over six inches, you know, of two by fours. And I use those for putting under things or putting behind a piece. If I'm drilling through something, you know, I've always got a handful of those around to like drill into their sacrificial pieces and stuff. And so I, I keep a lot of offcuts, um, but I don't, and I always look at the offcuts when I'm going to, when I need material, I go there first, but I know some people <clears throat> who are really into uh, sustainability, they, they modified designs, their designs to use the least amount of material or to use materials that they already have on hand. And that's something like I've never been able, I've never been motivated to do. While I appreciate that and I understand why they do it, it's like if I'm thinking I need some, um, if I need to build some shelves, I need three quarter inch plywood for those shelves. And if I don't have it, that means I go buy it. Like I don't, I don't try to come up with another way to, to use, you know, half inch MDF that I had or something. And so, I mean, I can see that can maybe be wasteful, but I don't throw things away needlessly. I just use that material in a different place later. Um, but I, I've done a few things where I say in the video, like I'm making this out of scraps and I pull out like a half a sheet of plywood and I cut it up and somebody will leave a comment like, that's a scrap for you. And in my mind, I'm thinking it's just what I didn't use on the original project. You know, it's just the, the leftover piece. It's not scrap as in it's bad or, you know, it doesn't have value, but it's just like the leftover thing. And so I don't know. I, I personally just don't have a problem with going to buy new material that I need if it lets me get, you know, project done like I like I want it done. Um, whereas a lot of people, I think, who are really focused on being green will try to reuse, uh, you know, everything they have and they'll, they'll use combined materials to get like to use less material rather than get to the design that they had in their head. And it's just a different way to go about it, I guess. But I'm not that guy. I mean, I, a lot of times I just look around the shop. I say, okay, I have to build something. Uh, let me see what I could make with what's available here in the room. I do that all the time. I, mean, I look around and say, okay, I have to build this thing for a client or maybe it's just for a video. What is it? How can I make it out of what's available? And and I think yeah. to myself, for instance, like let's say the house is isolated, the workshop's isolated because of, say, you know, a curfew for a hurricane or something crazy. I make this crazy. Imagine, I imagine these like scenarios. And I can't leave. I got to do it with what's here. And I always make it work. That's I mean, mm. part of the reason why I keep a lot of material around is so that I can whip up whatever I need. And those are the type of jobs that are really profitable because somebody might say, hey, can you make me a so-and-so? And it's, you know, might be a couple thousand dollars worth of value to them. And I charge them that much. And then I make it up out of what's laying around the shop. It's like 100% profit. Oh, yeah. So Well, that's an interesting thing, though. Um, so you now, especially now that you have space, you do keep a considerable amount of material on hand. Uh, like you'll go buy a lot of plywood to have it there. Well, I, I honestly, I have about as much material on hand as I did in the other shop, but it's just more messy oh. and spread out because I got more room. But <laughs> in the other shop, I would help use the front room as the storage area. And at any given time, I would have maybe 10, 15 sheets of plywood <laughs> available to use. Unless I was doing some type of specific job where I had to buy 10 sheets of say bamboo plywood and then I would always buy one extra sheet because they're $300 a sheet. So I would buy one extra bamboo sheet. And then I'd have that as a resource to do something interesting for a video or just to have as a, like a client would say, can I have a bamboo shelf? And I'm like, okay, well, you know, the sheet's already paid for, but I get to use it for this job and charge them as if I'm buying it new. So, but yeah, it's nice. I have that lumber rack now where that would have all been just leaning on the wall. Now I have it just wandering around the room. 
Carter. I think there's more to being green than just being um, conscious of of the materials that you're using too. There's there's still a lot of waste in in what we do uh, with paper towels and like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. protecting our benches with craft paper or whatever. You know, instead mm-hmm. of using paper towels, we could use rags and try to reuse them. I like using that- rags more often than I love using rags over and over again. I, I even mm-hmm. actually take my rags and wash them in, as long as I don't have too much like motor oil and stuff like that on them. If it's more yeah. paint and shop stuff, I actually wash them. Taylor does the too, so I use my rags over and over as much as I can. And then, uh, then there's the chemicals like aerosols, using spray lacquers and stuff. It's uh, and I'm guilty of all these things. We're very conscious of recycling and and what we use in the house, and it doesn't translate very well to my my shop. And I know I, I should be more conscious of that. But uh, you know, instead of using spray lacquer from a rattle can, I could shellac something instead. Hmm. Another good point is when you a lot of times people use oil paints or they use like a polyurethane or a stain. I use throwaway brushes. And people say, well, why don't you use a really good brush? I said, because I got to use half a can of mineral spirits to clean that brush. And what do you do with a half a can <laughs> of dis, dis diluted mineral spirits? I, I don't know. I dig a hole and pour it in the ground. I mean, I don't do that. But like, what do you do with a can of, you're yeah. supposed to dispose of it correctly. Tell me one person yeah. who knows what to do with that. So I always try yeah. and buy waterborne materials so that I could wash the brushes. Or I just buy a throwaway brush. I leave it. Sometimes if I use it up, I leave it in the can until it all dries. And then I throw it away because like, I don't want a fire hazard because it's all, also oily. Or I'll cut the, the brush off, which I often do anyway, and leave it in the can and, and hammer the lid shut. So if there's just a little bit of residue in that flammable can, I just close it up and that's how I throw it away. But Or I leave it open to just gas off and dry. <clears throat> but what do you do? A lot of guys have these expensive brushes, and they you got to use you know a, quarter, a full quart of mineral spirits to clean a, a, an oily brush off. It's just extremely yeah. messy, and and bad for the so, environment. So we have um, in in the shop here. There was a wall in this one little area where my granddad had a bunch of cans and bottles of stuff, and like some of those bottles are older than I am. And there's all sorts of stuff in there, and a lot of them aren't labeled, and so there's who knows what. And he was into all sorts of things. Like he worked on, he made RC planes, so he's got like all sorts of fuels for those. He does oil painting. You know, there's a huge range of stuff in there. And we went to clear this whole double shelf out, and just like I don't know what all this is, I'm just gonna get rid of it all safely and just you know, so it's done. So Josh, who's been working with me, called the city. And said, like, where do we take this stuff that's dangerous? And they said, well, there's one time a year where we'll come around with a truck and pick it up. And it was last week. <laughs> and I'm like, so for a year, we have to sit with, like, potentially dangerous chemicals. And we don't have another place to put it? He's like, nope. Come on. I mean. Yeah, that's why I say. I say, tell me one person <laughs> who knows what to, to do, do with the right that. Th- if you want people to do the right thing, you have to give them an opportunity to do the right thing. That's like sometimes that <clears throat> made me angry. Sometimes your your local home center, like Lowe's or Home Depot, will have you can drop off paint cans and, and things like that for them to recycle. Hmm. Okay, I'll check with them. Maybe that would be. Yeah, there's got to be another place to do it. But I was just a little surprised that the city, who should be kind of the first in like, yes, we right. will help you take care of that safely, <laughs> um, because I don't know what all's in this shelf, but it's got to go. So we don't explode. Don't smoke in that room. a lot of it. That, exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, oddly enough, it is my metalworking room. So there are a lot of sparks flying around in there. <clears throat> but um, uh, any other thoughts on uh, green stuff? 
I mean, I know, like, if anybody doesn't know of Reclaimed Audio, there's another podcast called Reclaimed Audio, yep. and they are almost entirely, I mean, they talk about all sorts of stuff, but they are all people who reclaim things who are very conscious of their use of materials and chemicals. And, and Tim Sway will, uh, like, hardly ever buy anything new. His, his whole entire mm-hmm. world is all about <clears throat> recycling stuff, which is very honorable of him. It's all about yeah. sending the message of reusing materials. So check out yep. Tim Sway. Yeah, I mean they're they're a far better re- resource for this type of conversation than we are, I would assume, because that's what they do. But I just want to make the point. That's why I brought up my, my topic is that like people think like you know I get a lot of the haters going, oh now that you're YouTube rich, which I'm not YouTube rich, but let them think that they think that I you know I'll cut a corner off a sheet of plywood and then just throw it in the garbage and that I'm wasteful now and they see me using a lot of metal. I mean I use up that metal until there's literally inches left of to be able to use for nothing. So I, I'm still as thrifty as I've ever been. Uh, regardless of my circumstances and I always will be I'm not going to I'm not going to be wasteful it's just not in mm-hmm. my nature to be wasteful and use this you know piece of wood and oh I don't need the other half of that I'll just throw it away I would never do that yeah yeah I don't think any of us would yeah. but um, oh, okay so real, here's uh, another quick tip is and I've done this in the past is uh, scraps what are really small and meaningless and, and doesn't have a lot of value to us might be really valuable to somebody like a pen turner. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I don't point. do a lot of pens anymore. And so in the past I've just filled up a box, one of those $15, uh, us postage oh, boxes. Like priority yeah. Box. <laughs> and just fill it up and like, who wants this? And that reminds me. A friend of mine would come through my shop all the time, and I never throw anything away. It just sits around. So my friend, my friend Barry, would walk through my shop, and he'd pick up, like I'm holding up a Zippo lighter, and he'd go, "Are you you're not going to use this?" I go, "No, no." He's like, "Can I have it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And he would like, "He's you sure you're not going to?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "I'm going to use that for a knife." Ten minutes later, he'd pick up like a piece of like Corian, like the size of a pen. He's like, "Do you, do you want this? Can I have it?" I'm like, "No, no." You can't. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this to make a pen. Every time he came to my shop, he would stuff his pockets with like little tiny pieces because his whole workshop is small. He works on a boat. He's like, I interviewed Barry. He's restoring an old boat. He was on one of my uh, vlogs a few months ago. And he lives on a houseboat, which I keep meaning to go and interview him at his houseboat, but we haven't at the time. And he works like in a little model maker's environment. So he comes to my shop and every little scrap of, you know, if it's a piece of, uh, you know, mahogany or a piece of Corian or a piece of acrylic, he can use that. So that's a perfect example. And I wouldn't throw it away anyway because I usually sometimes keep the stuff around just to have as a sample to show a client. Or maybe I need to make a little mechanism out of it or whatever. But it's so funny. Yeah. To, and he'll pull it out of the garbage can if I do happen to throw something away. Though. <laughs> you sure you don't need this? I'm like, absolutely don't need this. <laughs> I'm gonna, no, I'm storing it in the garbage yeah, can. I'm going to make a knife hand. I, I would be doing the impersonation of his voice, but guys would laugh. I'll do that after. In um, the after show. All right. So, yeah, good. <laughs> Um, so David, you were talking about the, keeping the scraps for pen turners. I did that one time and I asked on Twitter, like, what's a minimum size for a piece that someone would need to make a pen out of? And they said, I can't remember who said it, but it was like three quarter inch square by about at least five inches long. So just keep that in mind. If you have scraps, especially hardwoods that are of those sizes, you know, where the grain is running along the piece, like long ways, uh, those can totally turn into a pin. So, you know, find somebody that can use them or do it, you know, do a giveaway. Like David say, make a, fill up a box, do a giveaway and send it to somebody for free. If you're going to burn it anyway or throw it away, yep. it's awesome. Um, all right. So 
Kevin says, what is a new fabrication making technique that each of you are hesitant or scared to try and why? Hmm. 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 I ain't scared of anything. Um, Bring it. I'll start. I'll start. <laughs> All right. New challenge. Find something that David's scared of. Um, so I've been scared of, and I think I've talked about this before, of machining, of like metal turning, metal, you know, milling, uh, and I'm, I'm not really sure why. I think I just haven't had enough exposure to it. And so I, I've always assumed that there's more inherent danger to that because the sh- machines have to be stronger. They have to move differently. I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm just unfamiliar. And um, a few weeks ago, actually, when David was here at my house, I bought a metal lathe, like a small grizzly, like the smallest one you can get. And um, I had an idea, and I wanted to make something with it. And it's been sitting there since it came in for, like, what's that, two months ago or something? (laughs) It's been sitting there, never turned on until two days ago. And I finally just said, like, I'm not going to really learn anything, but I want to get it set up, get it running, and put a piece in the chuck and just, you know, do something to make sure that everything is here and it's ready to go when I'm ready to learn. And um, I just had a little little piece of aluminum, uh, like an aluminum rod. So I cut off a section, figured out how, you know, the chucks worked and looked at all the different chuck options I had and just kind of read through the instructions to figure out like the basic operation of the thing and got it running, got a tool put in place and started to cut down a piece on the lathe. And that was like, all I did took me about an hour, start to finish, but it took away a lot of my apprehension about using the tool and like so now when I actually have an idea that I need to use the tool with at least I've got a starting point I mean I obviously I don't know anything about it so I've got a ton to learn but not having it set up was a way for me to say like well I can't learn it today because the machine's not set up Mm -hmm. and now that's not in my way anymore so well I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a a little tidbit of uh, info um Kevin Kevin Lazat who's my my buddy who came and helped me over the weekend he brought you up because he heard you say this before and we've talked about this before so and during the summer when you guys come and spend some time here at the house when we do our our youtube video making class or something kevin's going to come and give you a first-hand lesson on the lathe sweet on my lathe. thanks kevin yeah he's he's every time i hang out with him he's just a wealth of knowledge and uh yeah so he says he wants to that's do awesome. a lathe lesson for you here at the shop done keep that in mind i appreciate that kevin yep. that's great Sweet. Well, what about you guys? What are you scared of? I don't know that I'm actually scared of new techniques. It's more of a space and money and time commitment to learning new things. I, you know, hmm. to do to do more, to do machining or metalworking or picking up a new skill, I need the space to do that. I need the money to do that, and then I need the time to learn how to do all that. And a lot of times... Like if you're just getting into woodworking, you'll realize you need this tool, but you also need this tool that complements this tool, and then this other tool that complements these two tools. And I think I'm just scared to learn something new because that's a lot to take on. Yeah, it's kind of disruptive because it it throws everything off. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, there's a couple things. Obviously, I've been kind of creeping into blacksmithing, which is which is great. I just did this new Lincoln welding ta- uh, table for a welding build, and I was able to blacksmith little rivets, which is a concept I thought of. I mean, I probably saw it somewhere, but I was able to use it and do it myself, which was nice. It was a nice accomplishment. Um, 
So I'm creeping into blacksmithing a little bit. Machining still as far as the Tormach goes. I, I, I get into it, then I get intimidated by it. And I met the guys in Chicago, the guys that work for Tormach, and they just said, don't be scared. Get in there. Break end mills. Don't worry about it. You're not going to break the machine. They kind of gave me a sense of encouragement. I'll just get in there. So I, I, hmm. I have this project. I still want to do this. Do you guys know what a fidget spinner is? <laughs> It's this thing like you hold in your hand and you spin it. So I still want to do that. that. I still want to do that flywheel. Tell me more, please. (laughs) I still want to do that flywheel fidget spinner thing. I I, I made it in wood. So I'm again. I I, it was me creeping into the into the you know into the area. But the the one thing that I definitely want to broach and do more of or do I never done it really on a on a bigger scale. I've done it on a tiny tiny scale. Is casting aluminum or casting brass or doing that kind of stuff, and that involves making a a furnace and getting into some of the casting techniques. You see a lot of these guys are very successful at it on YouTube and, and I love their channels. Brian Ulridge, Alteridge, he's uh, very successful. He does some really beautiful casting. So seeing and doing what he does and some of the other guys out there, I want to get into that. That's that's the one thing. But it's it's yeah. it goes back to time, time management, and that's like a full commitment to learn how to do that and if I'm gonna make <clears> my own furnace and all that stuff. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. I actually found a great furnace at this guy I bought the, the printing presses from. He's got two giant furnaces that were in a college, but it, they're like a thou- thousands of dollars each. But they're huge. And I was like, you know what? They're too big, too expensive. I want something like the size of a beer keg. So I'll either have to make it yeah. myself unless somebody has one they want to give me. Hint, hint. Or sell me. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been thinking about the same stuff. I've been, I have a project idea that needs to be cast in metal like that's the only way that it will really work and when i started looking into you know like what's the bare minimum i could i would have to have to be able to cast this kind of large item and yeah it turned into well i need a giant way to melt the metal i need something to hold it in i need this and i need that and like each one of those things could be an entire project series by themselves but it's like Then that's like 10 videos in to make this one thing that I wanted to make. That may sound like a treasure trove of content to people, but there's like research with every one of those steps that you have to figure out, like, what's the best way to do it? And then as soon as you make a video, you learn a better way to do it anyway. And yeah, it's just, and then there's the time, like, where do I put a furnace? Mm-hmm. I mean, you got I've got a space, lot of space right now. behind you there in the corner. That right? I, well, I've got, yeah, in my office, yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot of space now, but like a furnace is like a different thing. Yeah. Like you gotta, gotta be outside. That's a lot of heat. And it's gotta be outside. And I don't know that my neighbors would enjoy having that right in the middle of my driveway. Um, you know, so <clears throat> it's like someday I would love to do those things. That's where you but, go into that state land that you're near and you, you carve a path and you go in there, you make your still, mm-hmm. <laughs> make your furnace. <laughs> so when the federalities find it, they don't know who it belongs to. Yeah. Hmm. You are in bourbon I'll country. Keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. uh, can you can, can you send me one of your uh, stencils there, Jimmy? I I, I won't <laughs> spray paint your name on the still. How about that? Right, don't know who I am. Yeah. So so David, there's nothing that you are like intimidated by. Oh, I'm intimidated by everything. Um, well, give me one example, because I think that's like what he's asking. Yeah. I, we might be able to encourage you in it. It's it, it's. I mean, it's the answer that I've had over the past two years is just getting into more welding and and metalworking. Yeah. But again, I just I just need the project that that screams for that technique, and I'll mm-hmm. and I'll just oh, do yeah. it. You know, I have yeah. I have people around me that can 
that can guide me and, and push me in the right direction. You know what? It's an interesting project I always wanted to do, and I have a couple of video concepts, is to make the same thing several different ways. So, for instance, mm-hmm. you made that, that table, that coffee table, where you, you braised and soldered the, the legs with that, mm-hmm. that burzomatic stuff. What if you made the same exact thing, but with, like, welded steel? Yeah. I mean, I, the I, same I, exact table with, like, wood, and then, you know what I'm saying? So you do it the same thing mm-hmm. in a few processes. It kind of makes it digestible for the person. You know, to see. Um, uh, that table, I remo- I ended up removing those aluminum legs, and uh, it now has four wooden legs, and each leg is joined in a different way. One oh, right. is mortise and tenon, one is uh, pocket holes, the other one is a domino, and then a fourth one is dowels. And did you hmm, did you, you, did you come anything. in one day and the in the pocket hole one it just fell off? <laughs> of course, yeah. It's just, it just fell off on its own. Just, yeah, it's just leaning on its side right now. I'm like, oh man! I jumped jumped up and down on the table for two hours, and it finally <laughs> broke off. <clears throat> um, all right, let's do one more one more question. All right, let's see here. I don't know where it was, but Paul Mayette was asking um, favorite movie, favorite artist, favorite. I, we've kind of done that topic before, I think. Let's do favorite thing that you're like into right now. Oh. Just like like you just held up a book, David. Yeah. Maybe that's your favorite thing. One just one favorite thing because uh, we got like you know uh, ten minutes. Mm, mm. I, well, I held up a book because I thought we were going to do the favorite book, video, uh, movie, and album. So oh, we can we could do uh, latest obsessions. That could be like an ongoing thing. Yeah, yeah. Modern Maker yeah, podcast does that. We can totally rip them off because they're good guys, <laughs> right? right? My, my current obsession is just books in general. There are uh, like 300 books above my head. And I just, every time I go to a new city, I head right to the used bookstore or the thrift store. And I get all the, the woodworking, metalworking, maker, craft books that I can. I am just, I don't even, sometimes, there's so many books that I haven't even flipped through yet. But I'm just obsessed with collecting them. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, my latest obsession is this printing press. I'm I'm actually getting into the printing press game. I have a, a couple guys uh, check them out. There's actually a YouTube channel, and I wasn't planning on plugging him, but I will because he needs a little help in his YouTube game, uh, A Fine Press. And uh, I think his name is Matt. He's been really helping me out through the email, and he sent me a package of paper material samples and some of his own printing examples beautiful stuff incredible he's that he's he's a lifer i mean he's very very well experienced but check out his youtube channel a fine press and i just found online this morning i got an email back before we got started uh, a chandler and price paper chopper this is the one of the newest Ooh. coolest things I, I probably only need one but i'm probably gonna have seven I'll show you. <laughs> look at this thing guys look at that cool oh, oh my gosh yeah it's like I got a big ship wheel on top. You tighten the paper down, and then you, you can't hardly see. There's a big lever, and then you pull the lever, and it chops the paper. It's about 120 years old. So I'm getting into the whole concept of printing. I, I really, hmm. it's like I'm really becoming lightly, slightly obsessed with it. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> and it's getting too cold for me to actually print now. So I might have to wait till the spring. So I'm getting all my ducks in a row. I'm going to get all my machines in order. So that's my newest obsession. Can we uh, eventually? Can we print? Like a limited edition making it poster? Absolutely. And this is the type of thing where I need ideas and everyone's giving me good ideas. So let's absolutely do that. Totally. All right. 
Yeah. Sweet. We'll have it at our yeah. next get together event. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Totally. Hundred percent down for that. Making it five hundred. Yep. Well, what's next? <laughs> Making it two hundred, right? We're not too far I don't away. Know. That's that's not too far away. That would be in the spring, probably. Yeah. Or something. Summer. I don't know. Yeah. At some point. Got some time. But <laughs> making it two hundred, um, definitely will have posters there. Yeah. All right. Um, my obsession. I don't really know. This is going to sound like a cop out, and it's not really what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway. I've had Josh Price working with me for a month now or so. Um, and having somebody else and, and he's a great guy. Like we get along really well, having somebody else in the shop to run camera and to bounce ideas off of and to, uh, like we're collaborating. It's not like he's just waiting around for me to tell him what to do. Um, so we're working together and that has been awesome. I was in such a rut for such a long time that having somebody else around to kind of keep me moving and keep me looking ahead and keep me thinking through things in a different way has been fantastic. Um, and so I think if, if anything I can say, like my obsession is, is like, uh, building a team, you know, having a, having a team being built around what I'm doing is, and having the support and the help and the, you know, it's just awesome. Very, very cool. So can I compliment you? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm going to anyway, your <laughs> okay. skateboard hook video was right on like the editing oh, and the style was so good. And I'm assuming that has a little to do with Josh being around running camera. Yeah. Yeah. He ran camera on the whole thing. So yeah. Yeah. It was He's been doing a lot. Excellent video. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I will pass it along. Yes. <clears throat> um, okay. Well, what have we been watching? Or do we? Did we just do our picks of the week? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I have one I that's. Ye, unfortunately, not everybody can watch this, but it's a HBO documentary on Rolling Stone magazine. It's a two-part uh, documentary. It's like four hours long, but it's really, really good. It talks about the history of Rolling Stone. There's also a lot of music stories in there and political stories in there, and it's just fantastic. Mm. I saw the advertisement for nice. that. I want to see it. I'm going to promote cool. uh, our Lincoln event that we just did. And it was uh, me and April and Johnny Brook and Zach from ZH Fab and uh, Doug from Retro Weld and John Malecki. We all made videos in conjunction with that event. And I just want to promote everybody. Everyone go take a look. We, I made a table and everybody made chairs that goes around that table in different styles. But all together, once it all came together, it really was, it really was a, a really proud accomplishment for all of us. So each one of us has a video on our own version of what we did at that event. So go take a look. Uh, there's a list somewhere. Maybe if you go to Zach's channel, I know Zach set up a, a playlist. Cool. And as as I, I mean, by the time this comes out, everybody's video will probably be ready on that list. I know me, Doug, and Zach are already on the list. Awesome. Um, for mine, I wanted to to shout out the the D Lowe's video, the DIY escape room, because mm -hmm. I I haven't seen the final cut that's up now, but I saw like a an almost final cut of the thing, and I think it's like seventeen minutes long, but it's good, man. It's like a it's like a TV show, you know, quality the way it's cut together and they did a good job. But me being in the show, 
I know that it's actually what they showed. Like, it's not like we did one thing and then they just like mm-hmm. cut it all together to make it look like something entirely different. So it was really cool to see it captured well and uh, presented well. So yeah, go check that out. And there's a behind the scenes one too, which shows a little bit more about how they built it and uh, you know who worked on it and stuff like that. I, th- I mentioned them before, but the team that put the room together was a company called Real Art, and they're awesome. They're they're so cool. I should link to them too, just so people can see their work. I'll do that. <clears throat> All right. Um, you guys got anything else? I think anything? That's about anything? it. That's about it. Oh, I was gonna say mystery sound. Guess the sound. Oh, oh great. Right. <laughs> That's it. Mystery sound. You know, what's funny is we last week you were doing that awful, horrible, <laughs> awful, awful sound. Yeah. And we didn't tell anybody what it was. Because <laughs> we could see it. And so people were like, what was that? What was he doing? And I realized that we never said what it was. It was my, it was, so, I have this bad habit of when I, whenever I get a, a Starbucks coffee. The straw fits right into the hole, and it makes that squeaky violin sound, like as if you don't know how to play the violin. It's not a violin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know that's the sound of killing a violin. And yeah, so that's that. that I, when I the one reason I like Starbucks coffee is to make that noise in the coffee cup. That's like <laughs> oh, I'll go to Starbucks because I can get a straw that fits inside the hole and makes that squeaky sound. Like Great. look at this coffee. This is the one I got this morning. No that's sound. Not fun. Not fun. Yeah, that's so so horrible. You fun. should definitely not get that one every time from now on. <clears throat> um, all right. So a new segment will be Jimmy's mystery sounds. Yep. You guys see what this is, right? Uh, yes. We can see it. We can sure reveal can the answer out. in the after show. Mystery. Yeah. Sound. Oh, good. Good call. All right. That's the sound. We did one. We, we talked yeah. about breaking the, the show into segments, so there, there's our new segment right there. We need a jingle for Jimmy's mystery sounds. Yeah. So. <clears throat> All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Later on. I love being annoying. I'm sorry.